Are you struggling to get your project off the ground? Is the term research a dirty word? Need help finding more resources? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another Center for Nursing Inquiry podcast. I'm Elizabeth Scala, and I am the Research Program Coordinator here with Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Hi, I'm Maddie Whalen. I'm the Evidence-Based Practice Program Coordinator. Wonderful. And so we are having a very interesting topic today. I, I kind of giggle because it's not specific to research, not specific to quality improvement, not specific to evidence-based practice, but it's the terminology we use as we speak about inquiry work, as we review literature, as we talk to our project team. So we've just, you know, for the audience's sake, uh, it's kind of a hodgepodge of a podcast, but we're going to go through some tricky terms that trip people up. Even that is a tongue twister. So <laughs> we have a couple here. And so it's really just meant to be a fun um, sort of, you know, educational podcast. So Maddie, the first one we're going to talk about, in, in my opinion, is kind of the most, um, I don't know, uh, confusing or potentially, you know, conceptual. But let's get right into it. So the first one we're bringing up is effectiveness versus efficacy. Ay, ay, ay. So maybe just give us kind of what is effectiveness versus efficacy? Yeah, so this is something that I see um, both when editing documents, and I've actually seen it go all the way into publication. So something I'm reading in a journal sometimes even has these um, terms misused or conflated, sort of one substituted for the other. So the important thing to remember is effectiveness is how well something works in the real world. You know, patients um, dealing with their doctors, their medical conditions, things that are happening on the ground. And efficacy is so how well something works in an ideal situation. So how well it might work in the lab or how well it might work in a really controlled environment where the researchers are able to gather information in an ideal setting. Mm, perfect. I love that. The context of the lab, like, is often called bench research or lab, you know, research. So you're right. It's everything's very controlled. Everything is quite, kind of, quote, perfect. Um, and then when we get into the real world, things get a little blurred when we introduce real people, real context. And great. So we have the definitions. So let's use an example, if you can, for the audience to wrap their heads around. Uh, and maybe one related to healthcare would be helpful. So sometimes you hear about how the, the efficacy of a certain medication. So that means when they're um, maybe even for these vaccines that we've been hearing a lot about. So that means that in the ideal setting, doing bench research, doing a lab where they can control almost everything. Um, and sometimes it's even, you know, in a Petri dish, not a person, um, the efficacy might be 90%. It's 90% um, effective, um, has 90% of efficacy in treating a disease or preventing a disease. But then when you get out into the real world, a lot of things happen. Um, sometimes there's issue with keeping the cold chain for vaccines or maybe with medication, people get distracted and they miss a day, um, especially if it's like a really rigorous uh, course of antibiotics or um, antivirals and things like that. So the effectiveness more or less tends to go down because there's all these real world conditions that are sort of changing how well it works because it's just part of everyday life. Exactly, so I guess, using this medication example, let's say I was prescribed a medication regimen for seven days, three times a day, every eight hours. Even if I'm asleep, I've got to wake myself up. If I were to do that and do every single thing the, the bottle says, the medication would have probably the efficacy it is you know, intended to. 
However, I'm a real person and I might not want to wake up at midnight or whatever the case may be and I miss a dose or I forget. So the effectiveness of my medication has since gone down. Anything else you want to say related to this first one before we move on to the next? Um, no, I think that that's a great example. And, and sometimes the thing I see the most that sticks out to me with these two words is people talking about real world efficacy, which to me kind of reminds me of that term like jumbo shrimp. Like it's something that you can't have both of. Mm. Um, so when you talk about real world, that's when the word effectiveness should really be used. Perfect. Love it. And good, good, you know, jumbo shrimp. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Moving to the second one. And this is one that I find to be a pet peeve. I agree when I'm either reading an email or editing something that we're going to submit for publication. It's this EG versus IE. So again, like before, let's go through the definitions first. So both of these come from a Latin root. And I was actually, we were looking it up and the EG is exemplary Gratia. I don't, I'm, I'm probably butchering how to actually say it in Latin and I'm not even going to attempt to say how you do, how you say IE or what that's standing for in Latin. Um, but essentially EG is an abbreviation that means for example, whereas IE is an abbreviation that means in other words. Mm, okay. So EG for example, and I can't wait till we talk about some examples themselves because this will really uh, highlight it. I know play on words there, but EG is for example, IE is in other words. I like that. It, it's kind of hmm, EG for example, to me, I could kind of like see that when I'm looking at EG. So let's hear an example uh, for lack of keep butchering uh, these terms. <laughs> Um, so a good example would be talking about, um, you might be talking about all the different generations that, uh, that are in the workforce. So I might say, um, healthcare is known for being very diverse. There's many generations represented, e.g., for example, millennials, baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Z. So that's using it with the term as an e.g. as example. But if I really want to give more information about what I mean by generations, I could say something like, healthcare workforce is very diverse. Um, there are many millennials, i.e. people born between 1981 and 1986. So I'm restating what that original phrase was in a different way that might help people understand what I'm trying to say. Wow. Very clear. I like that example, and I'm not going to go further so that we don't confuse the audience. But again, all of <laughs> everyone listening, e.g. is for example, um, IE is you're literally stating in other words, and you're kind of restating what you just said. Great. Okay, the next one, number three. We're going to talk about a couple terms here, uh, and that's because we've seen this referred to in a variety of ways, even as Maddie stated before, when we're reading a journal article, or when we're doing an EBP project, and we're talking about all of the citations we need to read. So this one is about manuscript versus publication versus article. And then in, in general, the fact that, you know, we don't just refer to articles all as research studies because there's different types. So let's, let's first tackle manuscript. You know, when is the appropriate time to use the term manuscript? So yeah, I think that's a great question. And it's not usually a word that, you know, you use in everyday life. Um, so talking about what it really means is important. And when we're talking about manuscripts in terms of scientific writing, we're really talking about the document before it's been published, before it's been um, 
you know, set in the typesetting is done and it's put in the journal for the general consumption of all the readers. Excellent. Okay, so the Research Scholars Cohort right now is working together to get their work disseminated in the form of a publication so they can refer to that document that they are still working on as a group as a manuscript. All right, next one, publication. So a publication is a, can be a pretty broad term. Usually a manuscript, once it actually you know, goes live, will be referred to as a publication. Um, these can be peer-reviewed publications, like in a peer-reviewed journal, um, or sometimes they can be uh, just part of like a magazine or a professional organization um, document. Exactly, exactly. I like how you reminded us that publications are both peer-reviewed or potentially not if you find a publication in a magazine. And I have shared this with the Center for Nursing Inquiry Facebook group that the American Holistic Nurses Association has um, an, uh, a magazine they put out six times a year, so whatever that is, uh, bi-monthly or whatever, every other month. I, I'll butcher that one as another terminology <laughs> trouble. But they have a magazine. And while those articles are not peer-reviewed, it is still um, quite an honor to have your published work, your publication in uh, a magazine like that. So as we all think about disseminating, disseminating our inquiry projects, if publishing in a peer-reviewed journal is challenging or overwhelming or intimidating to you, you might find a way to get a publication in some other format. Great. And then article, it's kind of broad strokes of all of these. But maybe if you could talk a little bit about um, the different types of articles and, and how when we're reading articles, we've got to be kind of uh, really careful how to refer to them. Right, so I think the important thing to remember here is article is a kind of like the word publication is a really broad sweeping term. So there could be anything from an article about a randomized control trial to an article about a specific case report with one patient. So I think it's a good word to sort of like keep on, um, keep in your back pocket. So when you're talking about, especially in EBP, where you're talking about all these different types of articles that you've been reading, you don't necessarily want to call them a study or a research project because um, they weren't necessarily a research project. Sometimes it's something just like an, another literature review that you're including. So that article word is a really good catch-all so you're not accidentally miscategorizing some of the information that you're including. Excellent. That is great. That's a great tip because you're right. If we start calling things, which we're going to get to in a moment, um, by their incorrect terms in terms of if, is it research, is it quality improvement, that kind of thing, uh, we might call the art. Like, yes, if you're doing EBP and you've read uh, an expert opinion where someone known in the field uh, writes a, a piece that maybe even the editor reached out to them and said, can you write this expert opinion piece? You don't want to call that a research study. It's, it's an expert opinion piece. So if you're not sure, use the word article. All right, final one. Uh, and this is near and dear to my heart. And as Maddie and I prepped for the podcast, we said, you know, I'm a little stickler on it, but there could be some wiggle room. And then I was going with that, um, nouns versus verbs, but here we go. <laughs> study versus project. What do you have for that? So I think when we're talking about it here in sort of the really black and white terms, when we're talking about a research study, we're talking specifically about something that was conducted as research. Again, the word study sometimes gets used more broadly um, when really we're talking about we're not studying something, but we've completed a research study, the, sort of the noun version of it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can sort of um, 
juxtapose that with the word project, which is really a good catch-all. A research study can be a project, but a lot of other things that you're going to be including in a write-up might not necessarily fall under that research study header. And that's, again, just like the word article, another good uh, thing to keep in your back pocket as a term for referring to all the information that you've included in your, in your write-up. Exactly. So project could be the catch-all for all, but if you are really talking in, about an evidence-based practice project where you comb the literature, synthesize that, appraised it, or making your recommendations, you did not do an EBP study. So um, yeah, a research study could be referred to as a project. So project is that catch-all word. I love that. All right, Maddie. So before we wrap up, what if people want to find us or ask questions, what do you think? Where would we point them? Well, we're actually um, all over um, both the intranet and we're on social media. Um, so we do have the Johns Hopkins Center for Nursing Inquiry intranet site, um, which you can get to um, by clicking on professional practice under the nursing intranet. Uh, and then it's sort of on the left-hand side there. And that has a lot of our resources as well as our specific contact information. Um, people can also reach out to us directly by emailing nursinginquiry at jhmi.edu. We monitor that email daily and you'll get a response. Um, and then we are actually also on Facebook. We have a closed Facebook group that people can, um, can pull up, request to join. And we do have a lot of uh, just sort of both formal announcements and then just sort of more fun facts on our Facebook group. Great. And if you want to search for that in your search bar on Facebook, you will look for the Johns Hopkins Center for Nursing Inquiry. So until next time, enjoy your shift. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks all.